Good morning, everybody. My name is Dan. It's great to see you, whether you're here in the room or you're online. I can't see you if you're online, but I'll pretend that I can. Hi. Um, thanks for being with us. Uh, as a church family, there are things that we get to do that are fun, and there are things that we get to do that are not fun. Some of the not-so-fun things are when we have to like, clean up after an event or something like that. But one of the funnest things that we get to do is children's baptism. Um, that's where we as a faith family come together, and as we come together to celebrate uh, and baptize a child, we step into the ancient waters that have been flowing for years, for generations, for millennia of God's people coming together, holding a brand new baby and saying, this is a gift from God, look at this baby. And where we get to say as a faith family that this baby is not just a gift to their parents, but to the broader community of people who are trying to walk well together toward Jesus. And so we get to do that today, and I'm excited about it. So, the Beaks, Travis and Maddie, you guys want to come up with Beckham? And you can bring Felicity up if you want to. We'll put a picture up here. Look at that guy. She is so much bigger than last time you guys were up here. You're almost as tall as I am. So Travis and Maddie Beek are here with Beckham Douglas. Hi. You, it's kind of a, there you go. There's a smile. And Felicity, I forgot your middle name. Faye, do you know your middle name, Felicity? Not in front of everybody. That's okay. All right. So this is Douglas Beckham Beek and uh, sorry Beckham Douglas Beek <clears throat> and his parents, Travis and Maddie, have picked this verse to walk through life with Beckham. And it's these words, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. And I don't know if that means us or what, but because of them. Uh, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And these are beautiful words for all of us. I think there are times in our lives when we feel refreshed and encouraged as adults that we can put our confidence in God and we don't need to be afraid as we walk through life. And so what perfect words for Douglas. Beckham Douglas. <laughs> Why do I keep doing that? <laughs> in Felicity. Um, and so this is a time for us where we want to celebrate this child and say this is a beautiful baby boy. And it's not just a little boy who's been given to Travis and Maddie and to their family, but this is a baby who has been given to us as a broader spiritual faith family. And so during this time, we do a couple of different things. Uh, I'm going to talk to the parents and ask them a couple of questions to see if they want to make a commitment to help their child grow and to know and to love Jesus. Now, here's a bit of a teaser. They're going to say yes because we already talked about this. Uh, but, <laughs> but then I'm going to talk to you as the family and friends and spiritual community surrounding this family to invite you to join with this family to raise not just Beckham but also Felicity to know and to love Jesus. So first... To Travis and to Maddie. Do you see Beckham Douglas as a gift from God? If so, say we do. And will you, as parents, do the best that you can, though you will not do it perfectly, raise Beckham to know and to love Jesus as you do? All right. He's so cute. All right, family and friends and Sunrise community, will you stand with me? As you're online, you can participate with us in this as well. We won't hear you, but you can type a response up if you would like to. This is where we stand together. We're physically standing up. I don't know if you're on your couch at home or not, but we'll pretend you're standing too. This is where we stand together as a sign of partnership with this family. 
where we can say, and if you agree, say we do to these things. We'll do it in two parts. First part, Sunrise Community, the family and friends of Travis and Maddie and of Felicity and Beckham. Do you know and follow Jesus as best as you can, though you do not do it perfectly? Is this who you want Beckham to know and to love, the Jesus who you follow? If so, say yes. Yes. Will you stand with this family and offer listening ears and words of encouragement and helpful hands, embodying as best as you can to this family and to Beckham who Jesus is so that one day he would grow up and he would claim Jesus as his own and say that he wants to follow him as you do? If so, say we will. If you're online and you want to participate too, you can type that in. What we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and baptize Beckham here. You like your picture, don't you, buddy? That's okay. No one needs to see this except for you. It's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for this family. God, we love you. We love this family. We thank you for the gift of life, uh, for the small bundles of fresh uh, breathing and heartbeats and potential that come in the form of babies. Uh, God, we pray for Beckham, for Felicity, for their parents, that as they grow and they walk through uh, difficult nights, uh, nights with lots of homework, of great joys, great memories, uh, that this would be a family who knows and loves you and would know and love of your, know of your love of them as well. God, at Sunrise, we want to support them well, so help us to see and to proactively engage appropriately in ways that we can to help support and encourage this family. In Christ's name, amen. Now, Felicity, I have a gift for you because you're the big sister, okay? And you've got to share this with your brother. Is that all right? I'm going to give you this. Can you share that with Beckham? You're welcome. And here's this, too. Thank you guys very much. You guys can go ahead and take your seat. So we are shifting gears this morning. Uh, We have started a couple of weeks ago a conversation on the use and abuse of the Bible. And this week has felt a little bit awkward trying to put all of that together. And so we're not going to do that this morning. We're going to skip over that. And... um, We're going to take a little bit of a different path that I think actually links up well with what we've just done. We've just celebrated uh, the welcome of a brand new baby into a life that has with it all kinds of adventures, ups and downs and mountains and valleys. Uh, And what I want to talk about this morning is tied to that. A few years ago, I went on a hiking trip that uh, was a lot of fun. It was a, a huge challenge. I was invited to go climb Kilimanjaro, which they call this the ceiling of Africa. And during that time, I did all kinds of thinking, all kinds of contemplating, because there are parts in my life where as I was climbing the physical mountain of Kilimanjaro, I was also revisiting the mental, spiritual, emotional mountains of my own life and the valleys as well. And I think that there are some things from that that also anchor into Deuteronomy chapter 31, this passage of scripture that the Beaks picked for their son. And so I don't have this stuff up on the screen because I just changed this like 10 minutes ago, but 
You can follow along with me in your phone or in your Bible if you want to. Deuteronomy chapter 31. We're just going to look at a handful of verses there. And as we go through that, I want to surface one question about three things. Okay? One question about three things. Here's the question. How is your... And here are the three things. Your head, your heart, and your lungs. How is your head, how is your heart, and how are your lungs? Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 31, just a few verses here. Um, Where we are in the story here in Genesis chapter 31 is Moses is just handing off leadership of the people of Israel. So if you're on this timeline here, you're trying to anchor in, you can see the fourth polygon in the top row there, Moses in all blue. That's where we are in the story of God's people. And it is a big deal for someone who has been leading God's people in this scenario through a desert, surrounded by mountains, wandering around seemingly aimlessly. It is time for Moses to stop leading his people and to hand this off to Joshua. And it's in this context that Moses says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, the same words, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself will go before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God, these are simple words. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And yet we all live lives that are rocky, that uh, take us up high into the spaces where we can see the clouds, we can see above the clouds, and we can see everything as though it is the most beautiful space in the world to see. And then there are times where we're deep down in the valleys and we're not quite sure how to get out of them. And so God... This last two years especially, but also looking at all of our lives generally, we can see those spaces where we have been both very high on life and very low in life. And no matter where we are, God, I pray that you would use this conversation, use your word here in Deuteronomy to help us keep good track of our heads, our hearts, and our minds. In Christ's name, amen. So on Kilimanjaro, uh, you, you don't go climbing Kilimanjaro by yourself. You can, but if you do that, it's bad news. Uh, they tell you this as you're walking up the mountain with a large group of people, and all sorts of them are porters, people who carry your dirty laundry, your tents, food, cooking utensils, propane tanks, all that kind of stuff. And they let you know as you're walking along that you should walk pole pole. That means slowly, slow and steady, pole pole. It's pretty good advice for life, right? Don't take it too fast. Don't take things too seriously. Pole, pole. They'll also tell you, sippy, sippy. As you're walking, you're carrying this water pack, and you've got this long tube that makes its way to your mouth. And if you're not paying attention, you will not be drinking fluids as you walk. And if you wait to drink fluids until you are thirsty, you will need more water than your backpack can carry. So as you are walking pole, pole, you're also supposed to sippy, sippy. That's pretty basic stuff, right? But a really important part of climbing a mountain, whether it is Kilimanjaro or the life that you travel, 
or that Beckham will be traveling as he walks through life or your kids walk through life is to not go alone. Don't try to traverse the mountains of your life by yourself. In the land of Kilimanjaro, if you do that, you become one of the people who they tell travelers about to scare travelers into staying with the group. Because there are stories of people who got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, wanted to go take a nice picture of the stars, and they're lost, never to be found. Now that feels really great when it's your first night of rest and you're going to sleep and you don't quite know where to use the bathroom. It keeps you close. But as you're climbing Kilimanjaro, your body is acclimatizing to the different contexts that you're in. In our real lives, you have to acclimatize to life not living with your parents at some point, whether that was voluntary or involuntary. You have to acclimatize to paying your own bills, preferably on time. You have to acclimatize to a second person's morning breath if you get married or are with someone. You have to acclimatize to losing a loved one or a friend. There are times in life where the, the altitude, the oxygen that we're able to breathe seems to be much less available here and much more available here, and our bodies have to figure out a way to walk with that well. And so along the way, as you're climbing Kilimanjaro, these three questions are constantly asked of you as your body is adjusting to the terrain of life. How is your head? How is your heart? And how are your lungs? Close your eyes for a minute, and I'm going to ask you those questions, and I want you to think about that for you right now in the mountain of life that you are in, whether you're up high on a mountain, you're in the process of climbing it, you're in the process of trying to find it because you're so far down in the valley, but I want you to take a moment and think about these questions for you right now. How is your head? What are the stories that you're telling yourself? Number two, how is your heart? What's getting your heart beating faster these days? Is it the beautiful things of life? Is it the frustrations of life? Where is your heart? How is your heart doing? How are your lungs? How's your pace? Are you pushing things so hard so that you can reach this goal in life financially or so that you can get to your destination and yet along the way you're panting and you have hardly any air in your lungs that you can keep you moving? How are your lungs? All right, you can open up your eyes again. You can keep them closed if you want, if you find that to be more comfortable. If I were you, I would probably do that too. How is your head? How is your heart? How are your lungs? Deuteronomy chapter 31, I think these are key questions that Moses, though he doesn't use these words, there's a little bit of creative imagination that goes on here. I think these are questions that he could have easily asked Joshua, where he would have pulled, pulled up a rock. No, they probably sat next to each other on rocks that were close to each other to talk about this. We have Joseph who is taking on the mantle of leading a group of people toward God in a desert where there seem to be no directions in life. P.S. Welcome to parenthood. And Moses has been doing this for years. And I have a feeling that in the course of conversation there was something that came up like, 
Joshua, it's going to be really important for you to have a clear head. There are all kinds of stories swirling around us. We've been wandering in this desert now for years. Your grandparents have been wandering out here. We've been wandering out here. Our grandkids will be wandering out here. And we're surrounded by countries who seem to just have life figured out. They've got their own land. They've got a culture. They've got a system that works well for them. And we're just trying to figure things out. So you're going to have to stay focused on the stories that we've been telling ourselves of God's faithfulness to us in the desert. I think this is one of the reasons why Moses says, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. If you get distracted by the wrong stories, that you should be climbing through life at such a pace that you're going to get there right on time. You're going to beat that Google map estimate of time of how long it's going to take you to get there. If that's the story you're telling yourself, you may be setting yourself up for failure. Maybe what we need to be keeping in mind, Joshua, as you take on this role of leading God's people, people of Sunrise who are listening to this today, maybe what we need to keep in mind is not so much how quickly we think we should be arriving at a certain place, but we should keep in mind the faithfulness of God amongst the stories of all of his people. Where no matter how long it has taken (laughs) to get from Adam and Eve to Moses, God has been faithful. He's shown up. He's literally split the waters so that God's people could walk through. He's made a way for people to know who he is. And what if our minds were focused on the reality that God is with us as we're climbing a mountain rather than, I got to get here by a certain point. In the words of Kilimanjaro, pole pole. Pole pole. Don't get all bent out of shape. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. So what's the story you're telling yourself? That's the first one. How is your head? Second one, how is your heart? Every night after dinner, we would sit around a table in a tent and we would have to put this little clip on our finger that would measure two things. What are those two things? You guys know this now because we've lived in a land where you've had to do that a lot. Oxygen level and? Heart rate. rate. Well done. We can go home now. We always turn it into a competition because that's what we do, right? We're sitting around the table. Supposed to relax. They'll ask you, how is your head? Do you have a headache? How's the, how's the pressure of life treating you? Then they put this clip on you. And they'd want to see what your heart rate was. And that's where the question, how is your heart, came into play. Now, this is important when you're climbing a mountain. It's important in your life, too. Like, your heart can only beat so slow or so fast. Otherwise, you're going to have some significant problems, right? And when you're climbing through life, whether you're up high in the mountains or down low in the valleys, the surroundings that you are in will unknowingly affect your heart. But you can also sit in a space where your heart has been beating rapidly and take a few breaths and calm down. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like when you have one of those tests that you didn't study for. Like, this was me, like, every month of math class in college. I always forgot that there were tests. So my heart would be beating like crazy. (laughs) But then there are times where you can 
calm yourself again and realize, okay, everything is going to be okay. To use the words of Deuteronomy chapter 31, God is with me. I don't have to be afraid. I might not not pass this math test, but my heart can still be okay. Our hearts have been beating rapidly over the last however long since America has decided to become an uber-politicized space where religion and politics and social events and all kinds of things swirl together to try to get us pulled in all kinds of different directions. Our hearts beat faster. It can feel as though there's too much strain on our beings if we try to navigate this world and talk about anything. And I think for me, as I have left Kilimanjaro and I'm still trying to keep these truths with me that I think are also anchored here of Deuteronomy 31, the question of how is my heart is extremely important. What is the direction of my affections? Is the direction of my affection my desire to be in control? My desire to be right? Far too often, that's where my affection is. It's on self-protection. It's on self-promotion. How about you? How is your heart? When you're climbing a mountain, (laughs) you have to do some really embarrassing things. Like, strangely enough, they don't have bathrooms all over the place. You do that outside with not very many trees. And so there's opportunity there for your mind and your heart to function differently than they normally would. To be so concerned about yourself, your own interests, that maybe you fail to take care of the people around you. Simple things like a person who's walking with you needing a snack. If our hearts are focused on ourselves, our own interests, we fail to see the people who are walking through life with us who just need an oatmeal cream pie. Those were really delicious on Kilimanjaro. (laughs) So where's your heart? Moses is telling Joshua that his heart needs to be in some way with these people. You must go with these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you've got to divide it among them as their inheritance. You don't have any experience doing this, but uh, here's what we want you to do, okay? You're, you, the one person in this room, I'm just going to point randomly so that you can feel like I'm pointing you out, but I'm not going to make eye contact so it's not too uncomfortable. It's up to you to figure out how to divide the blessings that this group of people have so that God's people are taken care of and can take care of the people around them while you're navigating a life that you don't have a handbook for. Right? To navigate that kind of a situation well, you have to first remember where your head is. You have to keep it straight. You have to keep it focused on the faithfulness and the presence of God that has shown up in the past, that's come all the way up to and butted up against the present right now where Sunrise Ministries is today where God has been faithful to show up over and over and over and over again. But you've also got to make sure that your heart, your affections are focused in the right place. 
For Joshua, he could not be focused on, this is too big of a job for me to do. I cannot do it. He could not be focused on, okay, I'm going to make sure that my family is going to be taken care of first, and maybe at the expense of all of these other great people who are kind of weird looking and my responsibility, but they don't live with me. So my heart is not going to be with them as much as it is, is for my own family. And even that kind of an attitude would have led him in a path of leadership that would not have been good for God's people. So he had to keep in mind, how is his own head, how is his own heart? And then finally, how are his lungs? When you're climbing Kilimanjaro, you cannot control how much oxygen is available to you as you climb the mountain. Like, that's just science. I don't know what the science is, but at some point, like, the oxygen particles start not going as high. I don't know how that all gets explained. One of the things we really enjoyed doing when we were climbing Kilimanjaro at the front end of things was finding out from our guides how long it would take for us to get from point A to point B, where we needed to stop that evening. And when we first started our trek, we didn't have to think about our lungs at all because, okay, it's just from here to there. We can beat the time that you're telling us. We, we all grew up playing sports in high school like 20 years ago. <laughs> that cracks me up, by the way, how we all do that. I am so good at soccer. 20 years ago. <laughs> and so we would leave point A as quickly as we could with one of our leaders so that we could stay in a group and we would get to point B quickly and we'd feel really excited about it. It feels really good to beat this expectation that you have in mind, knowing that your lungs, what you need to keep you moving, are fine. But then you get to like day four. And then they're like, you know what, it's going to take us seven hours to go five miles. You're like, what? Not a chance. Come on, guys. We got this. And then you start walking. And then they're really saying, pole, pole. This is the space of life where it just gets harder and more grueling. And I don't even have to describe for you what those spaces in your life are like because you know what those are. Where you feel like if you were to rewind the tape a little bit and go back to where you were in a space of life that felt healthier, that felt more secure, you could run at a different pace and you could be just fine and you could thrive and you would make it. But if you were to do that now, then you would be like us on Kilimanjaro. <gasps> About ready to pass out. Because the terrain that you're walking in the altitude that you are in is not one where you can function like you could before. Now they would ask us these questions on Kilimanjaro, how is your head, how is your heart, and how are your lungs, because these were the three main indicators of whether or not you were going to make it. If you had a migraine that could not be controlled, you'd have to go down the mountain. If your heart rate was too fast, they'd have to take you down the mountain, you couldn't finish the trip. If your oxygen levels in your body were not what they needed to be, if the lung capacity was not there, you had to go back down the mountain. That brings up an interesting challenge for all of us to remember too. What's most important? To finish the route that you have plotted for yourself or to take care of yourself? As Moses is talking to Joshua, yes, there is this very clear 
promise. There is this very clear responsibility that is given to Joshua that you're going to have to lead these people from point A to point B. And oh, by the way, it's going to look like a tangled ball of yarn if you follow it from a satellite perspective. But along the way, Joshua, you need to know in your head that the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. You need to know in your heart that he will never leave you or forsake you. So you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be discouraged. Now my hope is that weaving those things together kind of makes a little bit of sense, but I'm going to try to summarize it very briefly now for us. Whether you are months old or you feel like you are months away from expiring. The fact of the matter is we have to walk through life in a way where we are taking care of our heads, our hearts, and our lungs. You cannot walk through life well by yourself. You will at some point get lost on your way and you will need help. You cannot walk through life telling yourself stories that self-defeat. In the spiritual life that we have all signed up for by saying that we're going to follow Jesus, this is the story of our lives that must be in our heads that provides for us an anchor and a mental and spiritual pathway through life. And this story is what provides for us the passions of our hearts, the directions of our passions. And then finally, there is a pace to this story that is extremely frustrating sometimes. Because you got these people wandering over here who are supposed to be finding this great place that God tells them about, and if we could just scream into the book and tell them, turn left, (laughs) they would just get there faster. We know this about our kids, our friends, our families. If we could just speak into their lives and tell them, do this, don't do that, you would get from point A to point B much faster. But there's something about the path of life, the path that they wandered in the desert that was good for the head, the heart, and the lungs of God's people. When you climb Kilimanjaro, you do not start at the bottom and go straight to the top. It takes you six to seven to eight days of wandering around, around the mountain, and finally up to the top to get there. So I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what mountain you are climbing, the struggles that you are facing. I don't know the triumphs that you're feeling. I don't know how hard or easy it is for you to feel confident and courageous that God is with you, or how easy it is for you to feel fearful and wonder where God is. But I think if you can focus on one question, focus on three things, it might help you reorient yourself and walk through life better. How is your head? How is your heart? How are your lungs? God, thank you for walking with us. This passage of scripture, this point of the story in your people's lives where a transition is happening, where there's this wandering that's going on and there's not a clear handbook about what to do is applicable to us today and your words of comfort of being with us all of the time. God, that gives us a story that our minds can 
cling to. Your reminders that your presence bring with us the lack of a need to be fearful, the opportunity to be courageous, that helps set our hearts, our passions toward you. And God, knowing that you're going with us even on a path that we don't know the next step in, that can feel like it's wandering and stubbornly confusing, helps us to slow down a little bit and to take care of our lungs. So God, thank you for your words. Thank you for the time that we can get together to talk about things like this. We pray that you would use whatever it is you've prompted in our hearts and our minds today to reorient ourselves towards you so that we can work to transform this world with your grace and with your love. Amen. Now, at the end of our service, we try to create space where we can all respond in some way. We do it in a really couple of really obvious ways. We sing a song at the end, and we give an opportunity for people to financially contribute to what's going on at Sunrise and our vision of transforming this world with God's grace and love. I'll be very transparent with you. We are behind budget a bit, and we could use help. We could use people financially contributing to our budget, above and beyond perhaps what you have been giving. But I also want you to know this. No one's watching you. No one's judging you to see what you're going to give. But I do think it's my job to help let you know where we are. We also try to create space where we can listen to beautiful music, where we can sing words that help our hearts, our minds, and our lungs reorient again to the life that God has called us to. So respond however you need to, whether it's giving, whether it's singing, or it's sitting and praying, going and talking to a friend or a loved one, hugging your grandchild or your daughter or your son closely, whatever that is. This is an opportunity to respond. If you need prayer, nudge somebody close to you and ask them to pray for you. If that doesn't feel comfortable, come up front and ask someone here to help pray with you too. But please respond with us. We believe that life that God has called us into is an interactive one that requires our heads, our hearts, and our lungs. So join us as we sing.
David wrote a bunch of songs that he wrote in response to God's faithfulness to God's people. He observed what was happening. He wrote down words that were not only meaningful for him and to the people who had gone before him, but that would equip us even now to walk through life, the mountains and the valleys of life well. And he writes these words in Psalm 23. You can close your eyes if you want to and just observe how this affects your head, your heart, and your lungs. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, which is completely abnormal for out in the desert. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. God guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod of direction, your staff of protection, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies in the darkest spaces of life. You sustain me. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness. Here is the story that should be staying with us. Surely God's goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May these words wash over our head, our hearts, and our lungs as we walk into a brand new life, as a brand new baby. We help other people walk through life to find this Jesus who we follow, who is transforming our life with his love and grace so that we can transform the world with God's love and grace. Sunrise guests, thank you for being with us this morning. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.